Yeah, that was really weak, everybody. Say good morning to our online computer. Online... Those guys. Those guys, yeah. Well, we are excited to see everybody this morning. This is our blended uh, Christmas Eve, candlelight, uh, time spending this time together corporately. Uh, very few times does it fall on a Sunday, but we, uh, we are excited that you're here and we can celebrate it all together. Um, we're going to pray, and then we've got a really cool opening song with the kids. And uh, it's going to be not a traditional uh, Sunday morning service, so you're going to have to kind of follow along. Spirit and in truth. So, Father, we thank you. We just, we thank you that, you know, we can rest in who you are during this time of the year. We can get caught up with the do's and the pace, and we can get caught up in what this world tells us Christmas. And he will be born in a manger, and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. And that's an amazing gift, and it's an amazing promise, because he's still with us. And we thank you for that. Meet us where we are this morning. Help us as we navigate through these next few days. But let us not forget the most amazing gift that was given. And we celebrate that every day. And we ask and pray this in your name. Amen? Amen. So if you feel like standing or whatever, whatever your expression of worship is, uh, if you know this first song, it was uh, it's called Emmanuel, and it was done by Michael W. Smith, and uh, Amy Grant did it, and the kids chose to uh, sing it this morning. So uh, we are blessed to have them join us for our opening song. Ready, guys? Here we go. Peace, mighty God, holy one, Emmanuel. 
the third stage of stage fright here. Okay, loud and proud, here we go. Wonderful counselor. The Prince of Peace, mighty God, Holy One, Emmanuel, 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 I was going to say, you guys are all fired. I'm just saying. We've got a new worship team. So. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much. Can't follow that one up, really. What child is this who laid to the rest and Mary's lap is sleeping? The angels greet with anthem soon. The shepherds watch again. This is Christ the King. And Shepherds God and angels sing. Taste, taste to bring in the bed, the sun of Just keep 
Good morning, church. And ha- Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas if you're British, I was told this morning. Uh, but we are delighted that you're here this morning. And uh, we are going to uh, right now have the offering. Um, and we are going to be giving gifts to the greatest gift giver ever. Uh, as we as we celebrate the gift of Jesus, our Savior, uh, to the world. So uh, if those who are taking the offering, uh, they're going to start in the back and and bring the offering and uh, collect the offering in the front. And when they get up here, we'll have prayer after that. Let's pray together. Gracious God, as we celebrate Christmas this year, remembering the gift of God, the gift of the Son of God to the world, to grow among us, to teach us, to love us, and ultimately to give his life for us so that we might have life eternal with you uh, starting now. We celebrate the the birth of Christ this day, and we celebrate through the church, which you have called into existence. And so we give these gifts now to to the church and to you. We pray your blessing on them. We pray that you will give us wisdom to use them according to your will and for the building up of your kingdom. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm kind of going to be the, the uh, MC of the morning, I guess. Um, so I'll be introducing several things as we as we go along. Right now, we're going to see a video uh, entitled "Let There Be Light." By the time the star appeared, the way. By the time the star appeared, the weight of darkness and the price of sin had left many of God's children coming and going, but not living, praying and practicing, but not worshiping. So it was just one more cold night on just another midnight clear before the sun would even rise when light overcame the darkness. Angels filled the empty skies. Trumpets and harps, music and melody, soul-shattering song broke the silence of a thousand generations, and the hopelessness of the captives fled without looking back. 
cascading down from the unseen heavens, bending near with unfurled wings and God's bright glory. The heavenly hosts announce the words that change the world. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. So without pause, the shepherds rushed to see. Just a few that night, but they carried all of humanity with them. And there they found a stable less ordinary, and a manger less regal, and a tiny babe wrapped in cloth less royal. But still, he seemed even brighter than the very star that pronounced him. Here on earth, peace, and from God, goodwill toward all people. Glory to God in the highest. Christ, the Messiah, has been born, the Savior of the world. Amen. The Savior has been born indeed. We're going to uh, continue with the Advent readings, uh, which today is the includes the Christ candle. And uh, leading us today are Janice and Priya and Jillian. All right. So we have the story of Jesus' birth in Luke 2, 1 through 7. At a time the Roman Empire Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quinivius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral town to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no there was no lodging available for them. Great job, and great job to all the families that have uh, led in the Advent readings uh, this year. Great job. Now we're going to have the pastor of our church, Brent Paulson, uh, who's going to bring us the sermon, the homily on uh, Pax Christi. Thank you. 
Good morning. When, when, when you hear it pronounced, it sounds like a disease, Pax Christi. But it's not. It means um, the peace of Christ. And um, it's in contrast to a certain extent to what was happening in, in Rome at the time, where um, Rome had declared Pax Romana, which is the peace of Rome. And um, the person who was leading Rome at the time, at this time of year, right, well, I don't know if it's this time of year, the time that we celebrate Christmas when Jesus was born, was uh, Caesar Augustus, or Augustus Caesar, who had, um, <laughs> the, the name Augustus means divine one or holy one kind of thing. And he had declared himself um, the son of a god, um, and that his father was like a god. And he had declared that, that his kingdom, this is the Roman kingdom, was bringing peace and, and rightness to the whole world. But what they were really doing kind of was basically wiping out anybody who opposed them. That's, that's how he, isn't that how we as humans um, you know, try and do things? We just go along, and if somebody disagrees with us, we just kind of mow them over, and we go, now we have peace. You know, sometimes families even do that. Like, yes, we have a very peaceful family. Nobody says anything. And it's like, that, that's not great. So when Jesus comes and he brings Pax Christi, or peace of Christ, it's very different. When God comes, it's very upside down and what we would consider upside down and backwards. It's like, wow, that is, nobody would have thought of that. And the whole story, and, and by story I don't mean something that didn't happen. In fact, Luke goes to great pains to um, communicate the fact that it did happen. We're talking about how God came to bring peace to this world and to our lives. And not the kind of peace we might think of, not necessarily world peace where there's no wars, not necessarily um, the peace in families where nobody says anything, but there's all this you know, kind of inner rumbling. All of us, I think, have experienced that at different times. There's like the kind of peace you can have when, when you actually are really mad at somebody, but you just don't say anything. And there's the kind of peace that we can have when we're just, when we're right with each other and the, when the world is right. And that's the kind of peace that God has come to bring. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. I thank you that there, you've brought just all of our friends and family and people um, from far and wide and we're thankful for those who, who come and, and have made it this Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve morning. And um, Jesus, I'm, I'm just so thankful that you condescended to come down and be with us. It is so amazing to me. It's beyond belief. It's beyond our comprehension. So help me, Lord, help me to bring your words. This, help this vessel, this jar of clay, to bring your glory. May, may your treasure be in this jar of clay today, and may it shine. Amen. And so today we speak of Pax Christi, which is from Luke's gospel, and we just heard read part of it from one of our wonderful families, um, Janice and uh, Priya, and um, yeah, and, and so everybody, we, we're, we're very thankful for you for doing that. Um, so let me just dive right into the passage. It's, um, 
It's in Luke 2. You're probably familiar with it if you've watched um, the Peanuts Christmas show or been to a church service on Christmas Eve. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. In other words, um, Mary's probably nine, well, she is nine months pregnant, and she has to travel uh, about from Nazareth to Galilee, which is about 95 miles. doesn't say she had a donkey um, in this particular passage. Anyway, I think it's more tradition than in Scripture. But anyway, um, so she traveled 95 miles um, while nine months pregnant, probably on foot. Can you picture that, Kaylee? Kaylee and Zane just had a baby. I don't think Zane would be alive if that happened. Um, so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, 95 miles, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting child. And we understand that this is a miraculous baby. This is a miraculous birth. This is God intervening in our human history. This is God coming into human history. This is how God works. And he was pledged. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. And a manger is not like necessarily what we see, you know, way in a manger, you know, that whole thing, which I love the song. But it was actually a feeding trough, and it was probably made out of concrete. And there was probably feed in it, and there was probably cow slobber in it, and probably, you know, slobber from whatever other animals were eating out of the... You ever, you ever been in a barn or, a, you know, a, a, a place where they store animals? It's kind of stinky. Um, she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there's no guest room for them. Bethlehem was a town of about 100 people. And they had like three motels, Motel 6, Microtel, and they were all full. Um, so, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a food trough, a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace on those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, This is awesome. Let's go see it. Cool. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the food trial, the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God 
for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. God's word to us. And so, as, um, and, and I, this message is done um, in honor of uh, Teresa's brother, Paul, who, who went to be with Jesus, who passed away this past week. We were, Teresa and I were sitting with one of our friends, Karen Knopp, um, this week, and for some reason, Teresa wanted me to find something, and I was looking on her phone through her text, which I do not usually do. I'm not like a jealous husband. A very Teresa and I have a really confident relationship, and she knows she has all this, so, you know, it's okay. Um, so, anyway, so I'm looking, and, and I come across, and Minnesotans, are, Minnesotans tend to be we, they call it Minnesota nice. We understate everything. You know, it's just kind of under... I'm, I don't fit well in Minnesota. I fit a little bit better in Cleveland because I don't understate everything. But Minnesotans do. And so I'm reading, I'm reading through something and I'm looking for some text and all of a sudden I'm looking and it says there's this, this text between Teresa and her nephew, um, her brother's son, and it said, it just kind of casually, you know, in the text, it said, um, Dad died last night at three and then it said something else. And I was like, what? And I read it again and I said, and it was kind of good that I did because it would have been a little bit hard. And I said, Teresa, your, your brother died last night. And it wasn't totally unexpected. He was told about three and a half years ago that he had about three weeks to live, at which time we told, um, what, three years ago? Teresa's correcting me over there. Um, another Minnesota trait. <laughs> anyway, we, um, so we, you know, we, we, even at that time, I said, Paul, you know, they're not God. They don't know. And in that process, God, in his graciousness and kindness, gave an opportunity for Paul to find some reconciliation with his four sons and with his, with his ex-wife and some other things that happened. And, um, and also, I think, to really get reconciled with God. And that's kind of what the message is about this morning. It's about being reconciled. It's about God coming into our world to, to reconcile us to himself, to, 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 to begin to restore this broken world that we live in. That's the whole point of God invading humanity, so to speak, coming into humanity. There's a, um, there's a great song that I like. It's done by this group called The Choir. And um, one of their songs is, um, uh, I think it's called The Children of Time. And, it, it, and the words go something like this. You know, the cosmonauts were first in space to look for God and find no trace. And then it goes on and on. And, and the reason the cosmonauts didn't find God in space out there was because God was coming in here. He was coming down here. He was, he was here. God was coming to be with us. And he came in this really a form that we would not expect, that we would not anticipate, that we would not even believe. And so we start our passage with with that, there was a, a great story that I came across as I was preparing this message, and it was uh, uh, from a pastor, Ray Pritchard. He was, 
he was writing about a Christmas program their church had called Two from Galilee. And there was a, a, a person, this, this man that came to it that was going through some really hard times. And some of you here this morning might be going through some really hard times. Because uh, Christmas is no respecter of persons. I don't know if you've realized that. Even when Jesus was born, it was no respecter even of Jesus. He uh, had no place to be, no place to live. And so, um, to stay, to be born even. And um, he wrote this, he said, this person was writing back to this pastor, he said, even the seemingly negative things, like there being no room in the end, seem to be somewhat in God's control. Nothing happened by accident. All of it fit into God's plan to bring salvation to the world. But much of it didn't make sense at the time it was happening. Much, much of what happens to us doesn't make sense at the time it's happening, does it? So my friend wrote about his two recent heart operations and the physical therapies undergoing and his aging parents who live a long way from Chicago. Life has not been easy. After listening to my sermon, he came to this conclusion. If Mary and Joseph had waited a month, or Caesar had decreed, I, I don't know how you wait a month to have a baby, but anyway. Or um, Caesar had decreed, a month later, Jesus would likely have been born in the inn. And the room arrangements would have been solved in human eyes. Then he adds with a perceptive comment, Amazing how God works stuff out in his time when the worst looks like the best there is. Amazing how God works stuff out in his time when the worst looks like the best there is. And Christmas, the first Christmas, came, at least to Mary and Joseph, probably at a time when the worst looked like the best there was. I can kind of picture Joseph coming into town, being forced into town by some power greater than him. Caesar Augustus, the biggest power in the world at that time. And, you know, it's always astounded me that, you know, many, many years before, I think 700 years before, something like that, Micah the prophet had prophesied, But you, O Bethlehem, though you are least among all the towns of Judah, out of you shall come one who was foretold from of old. Out of you shall rise a leader who will lead my people. And so God had prophesied hundreds of years before that Jesus was to be born, the messianic person, our, our, our Lord Jesus, was to be born in Bethlehem. So how does God get him to Bethlehem from Nazareth? He puts in the mind of this kind of egocentrical, maniacal leader, Caesar Augustus, to call a census. And so not that it's okay to be an egomaniacal, whatever, leader, but the bottom line is that God is still even in control of those guys, even though they don't realize that they're doing God's will. And the first part of this passage has to do with I have three parts to this today. And the first part of this is, and this is with appreciation from Tim Keller, is fear not. Fear not. 
And the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And, and shepherds, you, you kind of have to picture shepherds. They're, they're just, they're, they're not, we've kind of glorified shepherds, you know. But shepherds, shepherds are, are, are smelly. And they weren't necessarily really thought of as great in those days. Maybe a little bit like garbage men today. Or like migrant workers, you know, they would travel from town to town and try and find grass for the sheep. People didn't always trust them because they kind of thought, you know, these roving shepherds could just come in and break into your house and, you know, you wouldn't know. They weren't, they weren't really the, 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 the people, if you, if you think about how God should bring, how God should come into this world, how should God come into this world? Well, I, I don't know, you know, maybe... Maybe like one of those, at least maybe one of the big balloon, you know, the, the big blimp things with the writing on the side of it, you know, coming soon, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, you know, or some advertising on Amazon Prime. Speaking of which, not that this service is sponsored by Amazon Prime, but in case it was, there we go. Um, but we, we, we think about how, how, how should God bring his message and, and the way he brings his message is through these, these simple, ordinary people. Do you, know, do you know that if God were to choose people to use today to reveal his will and his purposes to his world, who he might choose? He might choose you. He might choose you. He might choose you. He probably wouldn't put it on TV. He probably wouldn't even put it on the internet. He might reveal something profound to somebody that was a nobody from nowhere. The foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of man. When, when Caesar Augustus would come into a town, they would send a giant fanfare. In fact, when, when he was born, they, they did a giant fanfare. Good news, good news. The Roman emperor has had a son. There'll be an extended peace because now the sun is coming and they would send chariots and all kinds of things ahead of, ahead of them. And God sends a bunch of angels to a bunch of shepherds. What a cool thing. What a cool God we have. I, I tend to like being a little bit Countercultural, a little bit of a rebel, and I love the idea of God coming into the simplicity of these shepherds and bringing the message to them. But the first message he brings, and the Lord, angel of the Lord appeared to them. An angel of the Lord often means God, means God Himself appeared to them. And the first words out of his mouth were, don't be afraid. Why, why, why don't be afraid? Why, whenever God comes to humanity, does he say, don't be afraid? Well, first of all, you know, we, I, I get afraid of, I have a, have any of you, do any of you have a startle response? I have a, I'm getting older, so my startle response is delayed. So I'm, I'm working in my man cave. My, I have an office in my garage because I like it, and it's just, the right kind of messy for me, so it's kind of perfect. And so, so I'll be in the office, and Teresa will come in, and I'll hear her come in through the, the first, the outer door, 
And then she'll open the inner door. And she'll be standing there for a minute. And I'll go, oh. And she'll be like, what? And I'm like, I don't know. It just, you know, whatever. My startled response hits me. And so there's fear we have built into us anyway. But there's also this fear of God. We're afraid of God. Somebody once, once said, when Steven Spielberg made movies like the um, uh, Close Encounters of the First Kind and stuff, people were all intrigued. They were like, oh, look, it's lights, and it's shiny, and it's... Or when E.T. came, you know, E.T. come home. You know, some people were afraid, but it was kind of cuddly and stuff. But when God shows up, people are terrified. Why is that? Why are we so afraid of God? And it started a long time ago. There was a day when humanity walked with God in the garden, and there was no fear. It says they were naked and they were not ashamed. And that has to do with, with just being walking and being right with God and not living in fear, not being afraid. I wonder what God thinks of me today. I wonder how mad God is at me today. I wonder, you know, if I stood before God, would he even receive me? I want to give you good news this morning. One of the things I want to communicate this morning is the fact that through Jesus, you can be okay with God. You can come to that place where you don't need to be afraid anymore. But they were terrified. And the angels said, they were terrified and they said, the angels said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God doesn't want us to be afraid. What happened to Adam and Eve after they disobeyed God and decided to become their own gods? Because that's basically what the fall of humanity was. The fall of humanity is humanity saying, you know what, God, you have your ways to do things and I have mine and I think my ways are better. I don't really trust how you choose to do things. And you know what? Part of what coming to God is all about is coming to that place where you say, all right, God, you know better than I do. I remember many years ago when I came back into a relationship with Christ, part of my coming into that relationship with Christ was saying to God, God, because my life morally, ethically, every, in almost every other way was pretty far from where God was, especially the moral part and especially the sexual part and stuff. And when I came back to God, part of what I had to do was kind of surrender to God and say, God, you know best. You know best what's for me. I surrender myself. I surrender my morality. I surrender my ego. I surrender my will to you. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. Good news of great joy. Do you know the message of Christianity is good news? It's good news that God has come to save his people. Today in the, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is Christ. He is the Lord. I bring you good news of great joy. A Messiah has come. A Savior has come. God has come to turn this broken world around and he's come to save. Behold, I bring you good news. A Savior has been born to you. And I was thinking about that passage, and I was reading about it. And I was thinking about when we have kids, 
You know, when, when Kaylee and Zane, they, I use them all the time because they're the most recent people to have kids. I don't think anybody's had kids. Anybody had kids since you had kids? In our, I'm sure people have had kids since you had kids. But in our church. Um, the, the, the point being that we, we, you know, we don't really say, I didn't, you know, after they had their baby, I didn't go home to Teresa and say, hey, honey, a child has been born to us. And his name's Oliver. You know? Zane would be going, hmm. And Kaylee would be going, what? But when the angel comes, he says, a Savior has been born to who? To you. Do you realize that when, when Mary gave birth to Jesus, he didn't, he wasn't just, it, it wasn't just like, hey, Joseph, a son has been born to you. Hey, Mary, a son has been born to you. Yes, had the son been born to you, but this son has been born to you. And for you. When Jesus came into this world, it was God's, it was God's peace sign of saying, I have, been, I have come to you to make you right with me, to save you. You know, we buy Christmas presents that fit what we need, right? We try, when I buy Teresa a present, I try and buy her something that she needs, like, like a new motorcycle or a new car stereo. You know, things that she really needs, you know, things that Teresa, Teresa needs. Um, no, that isn't what I do. I try and think about, what does Teresa really need? And I'm not going to tell you what I got, Teresa. Um, isn't that how we work? I mean, we don't send... If somebody's, if somebody's anorexic and really skinny, you don't really send them diet books, right? Like a, they open up the diet. Oh, thank you. Just what I need, a diet book. You know, that's really helpful. No. We send things we need. What is God's message when he sends us a Savior? What is he telling us we need? We need a Savior. Savior from what? Yeah, from us. From sin, from death. The angel tells these lowly shepherds that a Savior has been born, but far from some generic birth announcement, and far from some reveal, you know, gender reveal party, this particular occasion is personalized. The Savior has been born to you which could also be a way of saying that the Christ, Jesus, the Christ has been born for you. And there's a very specific purpose behind his birth. The Savior came to them and for them and to you. Because we need a Savior. We need a Savior. We don't like to admit it, but we do. We tend to, a lot of us, you know, we grow up and we tend to think, I'm a pretty good person. Why, why do I need, I really need a Savior, you know? 
I guess you know the way I've thought about that is if because one of the challenges is if you live a, if you're a pretty good person, sometimes it's kind of hard to go. Well, I'm a pretty good person. I, I don't know why I need this Savior Jesus thing. Maybe we should pay attention to what God is saying. Do you think He really would have sent or? come into our world, and really what Christmas is, is not just him sending his son, it was basically him coming into our world, and him dying on a cross. Do you think he really would have done that if most people were just pretty good people and didn't need to be reconciled with him? Second point. Is that we're to make peace. He says, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared to, with the angels, said, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and there is peace on them whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, let me, let me just clarify something here this morning. This is, sorry for you, glad for the shepherds. Sorry for you, the shepherds got an angel. They got the message about Jesus and about his birth and about why he came and why he's here, that he came to save his people from their sins, they got the message from an angel. They got an angel. Everybody else got what? A message from what? A shepherd. Now again, shepherds in that culture weren't like, they were just average people. They got the message from an average person. And you know what? You're getting a message from a very average person this morning. I am an average person. So they get a message from an angel. We get a message from me. Sorry. And, and one of the things I want to encourage you this morning is not, not to dismiss the ordinariness with which God brings his message into our lives. The simplicity and the people that he uses to bring his message into our lives. I actually came to that moment. I believe that we need to come to a moment in our lives when we say yes to God. We may not fully understand what it means. God had been pressing me. And by the way, this passage has to do with bringing peace. And some of us think, well, these words are wrong here. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Isn't it peace on earth, goodwill to men? That's actually kind of a not a great translation. It's from this from Jerome's Vulgate, which was based on not great texts and stuff. So anyway, it sounds better, but um, it's 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 his peace. It's it's God making peace with us. God making peace with humanity. And again, we think I'm I'm not at war with God. I I didn't think you know if somebody had asked me before I came to know Jesus, are you at war with God? I would went, no, no. I like God's okay. But deep down inside, I, I didn't really like how God was doing things. I didn't like, 
I don't like God's morality. I didn't like the idea that there was all this evil stuff going on in the world. I, there was a lot of stuff going on. But God came to bring peace. And the person he chose to bring that message to me was somebody who really didn't even know who God was. And, and this was a person who happened to be about the 50th person in line who had been telling me about who this Jesus was. And I really didn't want to hear any more about who this Jesus was. I was kind of up to here with like born-again Jesus freaks. And finally, it was on a trip out west with three people in a certain recovery group that I was in because I'm, my name is Brent and I'm an alcoholic. There we go. Um, so I'm going to start a 12-step meeting right here. Um, so, I'm, so I'm out west with three, three women, three girls. I wasn't involved with them. They just wanted to go out and tent in the, where the grizzlies lived and stuff. So I'm, I'm traveling out west, and, and one of them finds somehow in my car, God divinely, I think, does weird stuff to us, finds in my car this little thing by this guy named Robert Schuler. He was an old televangelist guy. And it was the Ten Commandments of Jesus, and she got down to like the fifth commandment of Jesus and it was about something to do with, with recognizing, it was basically almost like the, the 12 steps, it was kind of recognizing your need for Savior and receiving Jesus into your life. And for the first time in my life it just clicked, everything made sense and I said yes, yes, yes. And so God used a shepherd literally in my car to lead me to himself. And he brought peace. between me and God. I finally surrendered to God. Man, I fought God hard. My mom said I was always really stubborn. She said she would ask me to pick things up, like on the floor. This sounds like my wife. Um, so, <laughs> stuff on the floor. And, and she would go, honey, pick up, you know, I don't know how old I was. I'm sure I was really little at this point. I was probably like 14 or something. Um, honey, would you pick this up? And so, so she, she said she would literally have to take my hand, put her hand over my hand, go like this, and pick it up. She said, that's how stubborn I was. And you know what? I was kind of the same way with God. But God came and made peace with me. Paul puts it this way, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Glory to God in the highest, and there is peace to those on whom his favor is. Peace to those. God, God, God is here this morning, and he wants to make peace with you. He wants to make peace with you. There's, there's this great song I, I love. I love old progressive rock music. And there was a great song by this guy, group named Supertramp. And they wrote this song, and I just thought it was so fitting for, for why we need a Savior, why we need, to be ma- we need to have peace made between us and God. And it, it goes this, Now they're planning the crime of the century. Well, what will it be? Read all about their schemes and adventure. It's well worth the fee, so roll up and see. And they raped the universe, and how they've gone from bad to worse. Who are these men of lust, greed, and glory? Rip off the mask and let's see. But no, that's not right. Oh no, what's the story? But there's, no, there's you and there's me. Wow. And so Jesus comes. And he comes, 
He comes to restore this world. He comes to make this world right. And it's not just a personal thing. It's a cosmic thing. He's come to restore all of creation. And, and what God does, what God does, which is so amazing, is he doesn't just make things like they used to be, like in the Garden of Eden kind of thing. He makes things better than they used to be. We, we screw things up, and he makes it better, even better, like Bono says in one of his songs, even better than the real thing. He makes it better. Do you realize that God is in the process when Jesus said that we are to pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done, here on earth that is it is as it is in heaven, that God has, has decided and his purpose for this world and for our lives is to restore it, to wipe away every tear from our eyes. To, to clean up every river. To restore the universe to harmony and the peace and the glory that it was intended to be. I love the Chronicles of Narnia at the very end in the last battle. They suddenly, suddenly the voice of the lion who is Aslan begins speaking and singing again and all of this broken creation begins to be restored in, in these, these kids and, and these animals and everything else gets to be restored. Do you ever realize in, in, when God's speaking of his uh, kind of the peaceable kingdom in the Old Testament and Isaiah, he always includes animals and stuff. You know, the lion will lie down with the lamb and the child will play with that. Why does he do that? Because God cares about creation. Christians are so funny. We're so, we're so stupid sometimes. We're like, well, if the liberals are care about creation, we don't care about it. I'm like, what the heck is that, you know? God cares about it. God cares about it. And he comes to bring peace into our world and into our lives. I had a friend this week, just so sweet. Somebody who has been part of our community for a long time, I won't mention her name, but um, she just said, you know, I, uh, we used to meet together. And, and, um, and my brother, growing up, he had a lot of both mental and spiritual kind of demonic kind of problems. And growing up, he would get very violent sometimes. I mean, really violent. He wasn't very big. He was about 5'5". Five, five, five. He had like 3% body fat. He was, he was literally, everyone in our high school was terrified of him because he could take on anybody. I remember watching him one time. We were at a, one of our favorite restaurants, Taco Bell, and some guys came in from another school. and this, They were part of the football team or something. This guy that was about 6'4", about 240, all muscle, comes in and he starts messing with them. And then, you ever be in, in one of those situations where you're like, oh my gosh, my brother's here. This is not going to be good. And so within like three minutes, they're like, let's go outside. And so my brother literally in about a minute and a half, maybe, has this guy on the ground crying. You know, 5'5", five, five, my brother weighed about 120 pounds. This other guy's like 6'4", 220. That's how my brother was. 
And part of that was just that he's strong and he was, he was a black belt in karate and stuff like that. But part of it was that there was stuff going on in him that was broken. And, and he, he, he had gotten to a place in his life where he just wanted to die. He was struggling with, with mental illness. And, and, and he, he would, on a regular basis, he tried many times to take his own life. And so he ended up locked up in, back then, this is back in the, the mid-70s, they would lock you up, put you in a, a lock-up ward and pump you full of Thorazine. And I remember visiting my brother there once, and I, he was sitting there, and he goes, Hi, Brent. And he could barely talk, and I thought, Lord, this, is not, this can't be all that you have for my brother. And it was during that time that I came in, back into a relationship with Jesus, and, and I was just praying for my brother for, to, for the same thing to happen. And you know what? Through a series of adventures and, and God happenstances and all that stuff, my brother came into a living relationship with the one who could save him, who could restore him. And he began being restored to the point where he was able to start living a pretty normal life, in fact, a, a normal enough life that he ended up graduating from college. He ended up going to Princeton, graduate seminary school, graduating from Princeton, became a pastor, ended up pastoring in Pacific Palisades in the Presbyterian Church that Ronald Reagan was part of, and he was working with these kids from famous people. And then he went, him and his wife went up to Alaska and they worked with Inuit people, with, with what we might call Eskimos. Um, and, and serving and, and doing things up there and then pastoring up in northern Minnesota. He still struggled and had to deal and needed medication and had to be careful with some of the mental illness things because some of that's biological and genetic. But overall, God had begun to restore him. And this person that I was talking with said, you know, you used to tell me stories about him and how he struggled all the time. And I just thought, oh, it would be so cool one day to be able to ever be like that. And the person just couldn't see how that could ever be them. And then over time, and, and by the grace and mercy of God and the grace and mercy of this church, that person, when they, by the time they had come to me, said, I am now him. God has brought my life back together. It's not perfect. I still have struggles. But God, God has done an amazing thing. Why do we have Christmas? Why did Jesus come? Because of that. She's now married. She, you know, her husband's kind of a pain, but you know, I. No, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> He's actually a friend of mine. Um, so um, the last thing is that we listen well and we tell well. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed what the shepherds said to them. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just 
has been told them. Listen well this morning. Listen well. Some of you maybe it's been like, yeah, it's a Christmas story, you know, I know the thing. Do you? Do you? What has it done? Has it been like, like my friend who listened well and whose life began to be restored and who literally has God has brought her life back together and literally brought a wonderful person into her life and is living a progressive life that's moving forward in Jesus. What's, what's amazing about Mary is Mary had an angel come and talk to her, right? And tell her that she was going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Well, after an angel, a stinky shepherd, you think you'd listen to a stinky shepherd? Mary, you know, some of us would be like, yeah, you know what, you guys, you shepherds, I know it. I got to talk to an angel. No. It said Mary listened and pondered all these things in her heart. One of the challenges I would encourage for you this Christmas is to actually listen, read this, and listen, and say, ask God, just ask God, God, what does this mean for me? What does it mean that a child has been born to me? A son has been given to me. What does it mean that you want to be make peace with me? The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. Things they had seen, just as they had been told. And they spread the word. You know what? I used to be, I still am kind of obnoxious about telling people about God and about Jesus, but all that Jesus asked us to do is just say what we've seen and heard. What have you seen and heard? Where have you seen God working? Does Christmas mean everything's going to be fine? No. I mean, it's a little bit astounding that the God who, who literally, miraculously came into this world, by the way, this baby who was born wasn't just the Son of God, he was God. God came into our muck and our mire so that he might transform it and make everything new. And one day, we're not going to be sitting here in church. We're going to be sitting together in the kingdom of heaven. And God is going to have made everything new and wipe away every tear from every eye. And the way God chooses to do that is through simple people like you and like me. And I'm just going to end with a quote from, that I've used several times for our church. But It's, I believe, like a child, that suffering will be healed and made up for, that all the humiliating absurdity of the human contradictions will vanish like a pitiful mirage, like the despicable fabrication of the 
impotent and infinite small Euclidean mind of man, then in the world's finale, all the moment, at the moment of eternal harmony, something so precious will come to pass. It will suffice for all of our pain, all of our suffering. Everything that's happened to you will seem infinitesimally small compared to the glory that has coming. And it will work for the atonement of all the crimes of humanity, for all the blood they've shed, that it will make it not only possible to forgive, but to restore and justify all that has happened. And that's from Dojcheski, the brothers Karamazov. And that's for all of your English majors out there. So, Father, your kindness overwhelms us. Your message astounds us. And your peace makes us right with you. May we listen well. May, may if, if anybody's here and you're just kind of in that, like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like this message. I don't like this. Ask God why. Why is this bugging you? And for those of us who maybe have received this message, may we listen to it afresh and realize the, the beauty and the wonder of the incarnation of what God has done for us. And may we say, not just what we're going to do in a few minutes, we wish you a Merry Christmas, but hallelujah, God, you have done it. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace with on people whom he has pleased. Amen. You can ask Scott to, I think, Scott, are you on again? Well, as, as you know, we are um, not having a Christmas Eve service this evening. Uh, we are having that now. Uh, this is Christmas Eve day. And uh, traditionally, we always sing Silent Night as we light the candles. And so we're going to have the candles distributed right now. And these are little tea lights. Uh, and the, and you can, uh, Anna Marie and Jan are going to distribute those. Uh, and when you get your tea light, there's a black switch underneath it. Turn the black switch on. It's a little hard to turn or push on some of them, but go ahead and do it. And uh, this is our gift to you. You can take this little tea light home with you tonight, uh, today, and uh, light it again tonight if you wish. Uh, but would those be distributed now? Maybe before we shut off all the lights, we can get the candles distributed, please. Can we get the, there we go.
Let's stand as we sing. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child.
Christmas. Merry Christmas.